Hello and welcome to All Villa No Filler, a podcast all about Aston Villa, the world's greatest football team. Well, Villa had lost four times in a row against Bournemouth. That was until Unai Emery arrived. The villains swept aside the cherries with a 3-0 win on Saturday. We'll get to that in a moment. Plus, Frankie asks me one of his mouth-watering, spicy questions. But first things first, Frankie, how are you? I'm very good. Thank you very much. I am just in a state of complete awe at the fact that Aston Villa have a comfortable win. Mm. I, I, what is this incredible sensation, George, where I go into a game and look at some a fixture like Bournemouth and think, no, Villa will just probably control this game and get a decent victory. Because I swear on my life, for the last forever, it's always been like, Oh, we've got a decent draw away at Liverpool. Who have we got next? Oh, Watford at home. Well, that, well, that, that could be three points for us. And then we lose 1-0. Mm. We just don't get the results we should do against uh, in, at home against sides like that. And so just witness us sweep aside the cherries. That was a tasty victory. I mean, George, I went on YouTube straight after it. Instant reaction, subscribe on YouTube, graffiti, that underlining, all that. Um, and I, I, I was so carried away. I described it as in, as in this kind of... Having this winning feeling felt like being a goat in space where I was just stuck. what am I doing here? What is this? And I still don't know where goat in space came from, but that's just what, in, that's how inspired I was by the fact that Villa now look like a team who can do, win things. And thank God for Unai Emery. I mean, that's it. I, I, I'm building a statue to the man already. Um, not that I'm somebody who gets carried away or anything, but I, I have built an altar to him in my, in my flat now. But, I, I, um, I, I mean, I feel like, um, someone who has been in um, a few bad relationships, yeah, and um, and 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 we and suddenly I meet this meet this girl, and she's you know absolutely everything I've ever wanted. You like, like your dream yeah, podcast your dream, partner, your dream podcast, yeah, like my dream podcast partner. I haven't found that person yet, but, <laughs> um, but I'm sure he or she is out there. Uh, but but yeah, you, you you sort of you meet this person, and you're like, okay, you know, she's you know very attractive, amazing personality, funny. Uh, where you know where's the cat? Where's the catch? Where <laughs> yeah. you know when when is the bombshell moment when I realise you know there's something something horrific <laughs> I haven't yeah. discovered yet about her? You know it, it, that's kind of what it feels like. I'm very almost I love it. I love it, but at the same time I'm I'm also a little bit unnerved. Yeah, at, you know surely this is too good to be true. Like what's what's the catch? Where is this going to mm. trip us up here? Um, because at the moment, yeah, it's all it's all amazing. I mean, you're absolutely right. I think. Your your analogy of you know drawing away at Liverpool and thinking oh we got Watford at home we should we should comfortably win that one and then going on to lose I'm so that's such a familiar storyline to most mm. Villa fans if you ask if you ask us but for us to to play that way against Bournemouth who as you say you know we lost uh, as we say we lost four times in a row against them they're they're they're, they're a very tricky side they obviously beat Liverpool one nil uh, in the yeah. previous game before us they've had some decent results recently they've had some decent results um, you know on on paper you think okay they're not the strongest and obviously they are battling to stay up along with about 15 other clubs it seems like um mm. but um you know they 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 are a, they are a tricky side they've got some decent players you know Philip Billings a good player and Slanky on his day thankfully it wasn't his day yesterday but he can you know he's capable of scoring goals in the Premier League mm. um they 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 absolutely would have troubled us in years gone by but we we were so measured and controlled it's like we just kept, we just we just kept them at bay. Do you know? It, it, mm. it, it with one hand, it almost felt like we didn't really break a sweat. And even though we led for one nil for a long, long time, and that's always quite a risky scoreline because you think, well, you know, you're obviously 
you can allow a team back into the game when you're when you're one nil up. It mm. never really felt like you know maybe maybe that Solanke chance aside where Mings Mings came in, he probably yeah. took a one to touch too many and Mings Mings tackled him. Aside from that moment, I didn't really think that they really troubled us at all. I I, I mm. felt comfortable, which again I is an uncomfortable Emmy feeling. Ma- yeah, Emmy Martinez made an incredible save as well from um, the free kick. The free kick, Billy, yeah, I yeah. think, took that. Uh, yeah, I, to be honest, I think Unai Emery said after the game it was his uh, pretty much one of the maybe the best performances seen from Villa while he's been there. Mm. Um, particularly at home, I'd say it has been. I think our best performance under him may be Tottenham two 0 yeah, uh, that was very controlled and measured, but uh, the all oh, the United three one to be honest as well. But um, but yeah, I think uh, the the thing with the Bournemouth game was that um, I think if Embry as a perfectionist were to be hypercritical, what he would say to Villa is the first ten minutes, fifteen minutes, Villa were all over Bournemouth. I thought mm-hmm. Bournemouth couldn't lay a glove on them. It's like Floyd Mayweather Junior. boxing, you know, you can't lay a glove on the guy. Yeah, yeah. And it just feels like you don't know what he's doing, but he just seems to be wearing you out because you can't as I'm talking as if I boxed him myself. Uh <laughs> like Logan Paul. <laughs> just <laughs> imagine <laughs> world famous podcaster versus Floyd Mayweather. I can see that happening yeah. like in Saudi Arabia or something. Yeah. The, the, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> After all the years of railing against Newcastle's ownership, I'm like, do you know what? I'm going over for a boxing match against Floyd Mayweather. Come on, <laughs> go and get knocked out in two seconds. Yeah, <laughs> trying to lay a glove on him, um, like Homer against Frederick Tatum in The Simpsons. Yeah, or do you know what I do? I do what they do in wrestling. I turn the ref, I just strap the referee and then give him a low blow. And, okay, <laughs> but then my punches would be so weak, I wouldn't be able to knock him out. I'd be like, God's sake, just go down. Um, yeah, I, I'd. Um, I think. Yes, I think if it was to be hypercritical, I think he would say first 15 minutes, very dominant, 1-0 ahead. But we did kind of, you know, we did kind of let Bournemouth back into it. Watara outright for them. I thought Bournemouth weren't able to get the ball to him enough because when they did get the ball to him in the first half, he caused Moreno quite a few problems, I thought. And there were a couple of occasions where he got the ball into the box. Matty Cash, I remember, had a good clearance from him that could have led to a goal. I think... Um, Solanke had a good shot in the first half and then the second half it was the same again we came out and we were dominant but we just didn't kill them off when we should have done mm-hmm. um, so I think Emery would say kill these teams off quicker and you know again second half as you mentioned earlier Solanke had that one on one if he was more clinical a Premier League striker should be scoring that every day really yeah, to not yeah. get his shots away is unbelievable yeah. Mings did a great job getting back for it but you can definitely see, obviously, still a work in progress. Mm-hmm. Um, we massively improved from where we were uh, under uh, Steven Gerrard. Emery's job has just been absolutely out of this world with a squad that isn't that. It's pretty light, to be honest. Very light. I mean, if you look at the bench yesterday, it's it, it does look very lightweight, doesn't it, at the moment? Completely. And um, but it, you you know, so um, I think Emery would say, kill these teams off quicker. It's great we got a 3-0, but if we'd gone 2-0 up in the first half, as you know, let's say we should have had a penalty. And or, and secondly, Ollie Watkins probably should have said, well, he should have scored that chance he had yeah. once you hit straight at the keeper. Take it round the keeper. You know, you'll look back on that and think he should have done that. But you forgive him because he scored so many goals recently mm-hmm. and been so integral to our attacking play. Um, but if we got that goal earlier, I think we could have gone on and won 5-6-0, genuinely. I think that was the gap yesterday. But uh, but what a controlled, measured performance, as you mentioned. And a player that you mentioned you really liked, Deadly Douglas. Yeah. The man who opened the scoring. Yeah, what a guy. I love him. He's he's just, he's really come into his own 
under Emery. He's really flourishing in the system that we're playing. So glad that he's stick, stuck with us. You know, there's been a couple of times really where I've just thought he'd he'd go somewhere else. Obviously, he came very close to joining Arsenal uh, relatively recently, um, and he, he sort of stayed and he, he penned a new deal, which has been which has been really good. He's one of those players that I really hope he he grows with the club because he's very you know he's very young himself. You, you forget how young he is sometimes because he's he's played so many games for us at a at a, at a high level, um, and for so many seasons he's been really just played out of position we've talked about this before yep. about how he's been played wrong role as a number six wrong role absolutely and Kamara's come in and and um and um taken taken that sort of burden away from him yeah and he's been allowed to express himself a lot more he just looks so comfortable on the ball his passing range is excellent um he's just a he's just a real top quality player um mm. i mean you could you could totally see why uh, Arteta was so keen to bring him to Arsenal, who, of course, now top of the league. He'd be, he'd be with them at the moment. I hope he doesn't have any, any regrets about that. But anyway, um, mm. he's with us and um, lovely little uh, social media message from him yesterday saying how much he loves the club, loves being oh. here. And I, I think it's reciprocated by the vast, vast majority of, oh, yeah. of Villa, Villa players. He, he's, I think he's taken his game to, uh, to a new level. And, and yesterday was just an example of just how good he is. Yes, completely. As you say, like, it felt like him and John McGinn were played out of position or played in like diff- the wrong role for a lot of time, where it'd be... Yeah. For years, it was Douglas Louise because we didn't bloody well sign a CDM for a million years, apart from Marvellous Nakamba. We'd have Douglas Louise playing CDM and not really allowing him to show, demonstrate, you know, how good he is going forward and as a link-up player in a more attacking capacity. And then John McGinn would kind of play his what Douglas Ruiz does now, but John McGinn is not a ball playing midfielder. He's not, John McGinn is not, his strength is not, you know, that kind of calm, casual style that Douglas Ruiz has. Mm. Now, Douglas Ruiz can play a little bit further forward as well as supporting Bubakar Kamara, who takes on the defensive duties. And now John McGinn, who has filled in really well for Bubakar Kamara, but John McGinn's been really coming alive under Unai Emery, playing a little bit further forward, playing out on the right, not having to be like the, you know, the metronome Luka Modric in the middle, which is just not what he is. Um, and uh, so, yes, it, it just the improvement in every player since Emery came in is quite something. And, um, you know, we look at the goals. I mean, uh, first goal really well worked. Good work from Leon Bailey, get, getting yeah. the ball, putting it across to Deadly Douglas, pinpoint. And then uh, second half, um, you know, I, so this is where you demonstrate how much Ollie Watkins has come on, really. Again, yesterday, Watkins, yes, he missed that chance, but his general all-round play is so much better than it was previously mm. this calendar year his 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 hold at play has become so much more consistent his strength his confidence and his goal scoring obviously but the, the second goal you know ollie watkins physically holds off the defender heads it down for jacob ramsey and ramsey takes it past the defender scores right now with ramsey i've been saying for a while i think that that goal is coming for him yeah I praised him against West Ham because I thought his link-up play was excellent and I think it went a little bit unheralded. Today, against um, against uh, Bournemouth, again, that link-up play further forward, particularly on the left-hand side with Moreno and with uh, Ollie Watkins uh, and Douglas Louise, it was really good. And then on occasion, he take the ball and run at the defence. He did it. He, he did, did it a few times. 
got the goal. And I think that now maybe a streak of goals will come for him, hopefully. Goals and assists. Because he's mm-hmm. he's been on the brink. Now he's got it. Hopefully he goes on and gets another. And then the third one, it was Cornageddon in the last 10 minutes, wasn't it? A million yeah, it corners. A bit, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, eventually one went in. Emi Buendia, four goals now under... Emi Buendia, under uh, Unai Emery for Emi Buendia. And bear in mind, George, Emi Buendia did not start a home game this season under Steven Gerrard. I repeat, red alert. This is unbelievable. What? I mean, bloody hell, Gerrard. Did not half make it half for yourself, did you? I mean, goodness I, me. I know. And, and another headed goal for the smallest player on the pitch. Yes. He loves scoring got, a headed goal, doesn't he? Got a leap on him, hasn't he? Yes. Um but it could have been five or six. It really. Oh could. yeah, it, um, it, it, the, the, I think the golfing the golfing class uh, was was there for all to see yesterday. But I, I would also say that you know the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. It, there, there isn't one individual player in that team who we are relying on anymore. You know, obviously when when Gra- when Jack was there, um, it was all through him, and um, and then when he left, we we obviously spent a bit, a bit of time kind of. You know, going through Gerard and, and and all the mm. rest of it to, to get to this point now, where Emery has got a, a team of very good players, but they are a team of very good players. It's not yeah. just we're relying on Watkins for his goals, we're relying on, you know, someone mercurial in midfield to to conjure something special. They're all working incredibly hard, as I said in previous shows. That they're, they're they're a very they are a very industrious team. They work very hard, but they're very skillful as well. Mm. So um, it's it's great, and what and what it means as well is you know when a player is injured you know we all thought we'd miss Kamara and we I mean, we, we do because I think I think it limits McGinn um significantly but you know we haven't in terms of results anyway in performances we haven't missed yeah. him as much as we would have done yeah either early in the season under Gerard or uh, or previously um under Smith or, or whoever I think Emery, Emery Emery knows that there are players that, that can come in and they know what their role is, regardless of who the individual is. They all have they all they all have a, a, a job to do. Um and it's just it's very refreshing to see. I'm not not really used to it. I think I think Villa Villa fans are probably used to having individual players of, of brilliance and, and and them working. Bosco to... Balaban. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Matthew Burson. Gilles de Bild. Gilles de Bild. You know, they've quality. all come in and been quality players that have lifted the entire squad. But now we're relying on everybody to pitch in. And um, yeah, long may that continue because ultimately it's not sustainable to rely on one player because what happens? Man City will come in and bid a hundred million for them, and then oh yeah, and then we're left in the lurch, aren't we? So if you can if you can build a team that knows what they're doing and a team of quality, which is where we're we're getting to, then fantastic. Mm. And all we need now, I think, is supplementing that squad because as we yeah. said earlier, we're very lightweight. If we can, we, we all we need, I think, really is two or three players of quality coming in. Yeah. Supplementing that yeah. squad, uh, and I think really next season we've we've got to thought, sort of think about you know top top eight top six. That's, yeah, that's the target, isn't it? Really, let's be honest. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I I, I thought uh, the defense. I think um, really another clean, another another clean sheet for Emmy. I think I think that's he's the what was the stat that was it was the the the, the fastest uh, goalkeeper to reach a hundred was it a hundred clean hundred. Clean sheets or 100? I can't remember the stat, but yeah. it was um it was uh 
you know, he he's he's obviously a phenomenal player and, and another clean sheet for him and another clean sheet for the defenders. But I thought all right, I thought I thought that Tyron Mings again was quality, and we'll talk about him more in the spicy question. Yeah. Um I thought he was quality. Yeah. Ezri Concert with a few good blocks. I think Mings looks more comfortable on the ball than Concert at the moment. Yeah. I thought Matty Cash, nothing went past him at all. I thought mm-hmm. Bournemouth just couldn't get anything past him at all. Um attack on the right hand side, I still think is not quite as yeah. potent as the left-hand side of the pitch. Alex Moreno, going forward, was absolutely quality, yeah. I thought. I, I think really... particularly second half, I think he really was really was a good player. He's really coming into his own at Villa at the moment. Um, I think there's definitely defensive vulnerabilities there. I think that's probably where you can get at Villa, is down that side if he's a bit further forward. or. But it's just what he offers almost as a hybrid left midfielder. Mm. Just causes so many problems. He's got two assists in five, and he nearly got another one yesterday. Mm. It's just um, it, he's he's doing very well. Um, so on the whole, yeah, just as you said, you know, it's not just one player; it's the whole squad. It just it just feels like everybody's gone up a level. And personally, I'm so in love with Unai Emery. I want I'm I, I sort of want to write poetry to him or. <laughs> Or, yeah, know. well, I mean, you said you wanted to build a statue. I think poetry yeah. would be the next obvious it's, step. Do you think it'd be weird if I built a statue to him in my, my flat? <laughs> uh, weird is a subjective term. Uh, I don't know. As from, from my perspective, no, I think mm. I, I encourage it. I think just just do it. And Car- um, Cardboard cutouts everywhere, maybe? So I, I think something. I think he definitely yeah. he, he deserves something, doesn't he, so yeah. far? He's been, uh, he's been good. Yeah. Um, well, Prince William, he's the man who can sort that out. Just give him an honorary OBE or something, knighthood. Yeah. Um, but yeah, well, as he should do, a friend in the four-game losing streak against Bournemouth. Imagine that going up for services to ending the Bournemouth losing streak. Arise, Sir Unai Emery. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, I think, I think, I think that's a more significant achievement than other people who've received MBEs. I'll be honest. Yeah, but, um... <laughs> yeah. Looking at you, <laughs> Philip Green. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Uh, t- uh, but yeah, I think. Uh... Uh, well, one thing worth mentioning as well: two handball decisions. Should that have been? Should there have been penalties? Uh, the, I mean, the first one seemed to me to oh, be a much more clear penalty. It than was. The it was. was a pen, wasn't it? Yeah. Come yeah. on. Uh, I mean, what's VAR doing? Is he sitting there on Tinder on his phone, just yeah, match, match? Yeah. Well, left, I, I, that's I, what, I, yeah. I, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean, this is the thing about VAR. I mean, we could have a whole podcast about VAR, to be honest, couldn't we? Uh, so oh, I won't. Yeah. I won't drone on and on about it, but. The fact that, you know, they're there to review every decision, right? Or every contentious decision. That that surely like we're both we're all looking at the same the same highlights, right? We're all looking yeah. at the same replays. So I just I just like to sit in a VAR room as a game's going on and talk th- and get them to talk through the decisions that they make and why they come to the conclusions that they do. Because mm. that's the other frustrating thing. And I think I think the next step really is to include um to have like a microphone with, with referees so we can kind of hear that discussion. Because I think it would at least, you might not agree with the decision, but at least you'd get some sort of sense of the understanding behind the decision-making process. Because at the moment, I, I, don't, I just don't understand why certain decisions are given and certain things not, even with VAR in place. It just it doesn't seem to make sense. It, it's subjective, isn't it? Sometimes totally. it's, just, it's still it's, subjective. Yeah. It's, I, I, look, I feel sorry for referees and the abuse they get. You know, totally. I, I really, really want that to just stop because I don't, I don't believe in conspiracies and all these no, things. No, it's rubbish, yeah. But um, I do. Th- I, I look at that and I think the the second one, I think you can forgive it because you're like, well, 
Uh, all right, yeah. You can, you can... I think it's, it's, it's um, we're talking about the is it the Solanke one or the was it Solanke? The, the second one was where Buendia turned back and it hit Jack Stevens on the hand. Oh, Jack Stevens one. Yeah. It wasn't, the second one, I think you can give forgive that, but the the first one, yeah, on target, it could well be going in, and the hand literally puts it over the bar. Yeah, and it yeah. wasn't like it was like right next to him. He was kind of a bit away. I'm like, I don't know how he's watching that and thinking that ain't a pen. But yeah. regardless, we didn't pay the price. No, I think that's it. In hindsight, you can look back on it and think, well, it doesn't matter. But, you know, in certain games, that does matter. So yeah. it's important that they get the consistency right. Although Bournemouth will argue, hey, what are Villa moaning about? They got that goal line decision years ago, which kept them up over over <laughs> Bournemouth. But uh, my argument to that is that didn't cross the line. Didn't cross the no, Best save I've ever made. Yeah, I agree. Also, that was Hawkeye, not VAR. So, yeah, um... Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> best save I've ever made, I'm telling you. <laughs> All Villa, No Filler on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Welcome back, everybody. Now it is time for this. George and I could finally be heading for the big fallout that nobody wants. Uh, We never seem to argue on this, but maybe one day we will. And this could be it in the spicy question. And today, George, I ask you this. Should Ollie Watkins... And Tyrone Mings have been picked for England. Well, you know what? We might end up disagreeing uh, about this one. Oh, yeah. Uh, which would be the first you time start me, in do history. You? <laughs> I, I knocked out Floyd Mayweather Jr. I love <laughs> in, you in Jeddah, I know, I saw. Um, <laughs> I, look, I think I think with if I start with uh, Ollie Watkins, first of all, mm-hmm. I think it's, it's difficult for him because... Uh, there's so we England have so many quality players in that attacking role, yeah. don't they? Yeah. And Southgate, I mean, I, I've been critical of Southgate in the past, and I am actually critical of him not picking Mings um, mm-hmm. for the opposite reason for why he hasn't picked Watkins. I mean, let's be honest, Watkins has been banging form. He's yeah. one goal away from being the first Villa player since Benteke to score to notch double figures in three consecutive uh, top-flight seasons. Mm-hmm. He's obviously, the, I think, he was the first Villa player in the Premier League to score, was it five in a row? Was it five or four in a row? I think five in a row. Wasn't five in a row, yeah. Five, five in a row. row. Yeah. So bang in form, really, really, really thriving under Emery like a lot of our players are at the moment. And um, was absolutely, should and, and was, you know, in, in the discussions about whether he would be called up to the England squad. And he was he was right to be in that those discussions. Mm-hmm. But then if you look at the players that England... And Southgate has selected in those forward lines. You know, we're talking Harry Kane, Marcus Rashford, Ivan Tony, uh, Saka. I think has been named as well. You know, they're also in such good form, and also they have the experience. I mean, Southgate always bangs on about players that have played for England that he trusts. Mm-hmm. You know, Kane has obviously been in the England squad for years. Rashford is just in a phenomenal form. I mean, the form of his, like the in, most informed player in Europe, arguably. Saka is doing incredible things for Arsenal at the moment. And Tony, obviously, there are issues about you know, how, how much longer he's going to be uh, playing the game. But um, but again, you know, banging form for a Brentford team who are who are chasing down a European spot. Mm-hmm. So it's it's he's in there, he's in the mix. He's just it's just it's just unfortunate that there are players also in the mix who are arguably in, in better form than him, as yeah. good as form as he is. And he's not someone who's been in the England squad that much either so again Southgate is probably thinking well 
I'm going to go for players that I trust and, and I know and all the rest of it who've been in squads before. So I, I can kind of understand that one. But obviously, if he keeps his form up, other players drop out of form. You know, if, if Tony gets a ban, then arguably he'd be the, he'd be that sort of the next replacement, wouldn't he? He's the one that would come in to to replace one of those players. I think he's 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 right up there. With Mings, the issue I have with that non-selection is he's is Southgate is picking defenders who are bang out of form. Yeah, yeah. or not even playing. I mean, you yeah. know, Mark Gehi. Really? I mean, oh, no, has, he, yeah, has he stood out the season for Palace? They've just sacked their manager because they've lost about 15 games on the bounce? No. Uh, Maguire? Again, like, okay, for England... You, he... you said Maguire like how most people say. Am I saying it's her name when they're talking Maguire? about me? Maguire? Oh, that idiot. That moron. Is he blabbering on about Villa again? Shut up. He just doesn't deserve to be in the squad. And neither do you, by the way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, talking about me or Harry Maguire. <laughs> um, just like, it, 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 you know bizarre but that's a bizarre yeah. one and you know eric eric deer as well you know okay like he he plays for a spurs team that are very very inconsistent i get they're chasing a champions league spot but he's he's been a very inconsistent player for them yeah. whereas whereas mings again under emery has just been phenomenal and he has been in the england squad before he's absolutely a player that i think southgate would trust and rely on so it's that's for me that seems a more strange decision he's he's a left-hand sided defender as well yes. which um we're sort of lacking from an England perspective, but to be honest, in a weird way, I don't care. I'd I'd much mm. rather, you know, it's it's always nice when Villa players are called up to the England squad, but what does it do? It just drags them away from from um, a body more Heath potential injuries, um, potential injury issues. Um, you know, they're they're they could be jet lagged or tired from international duty playing. Puts them in the game, shop so. window suddenly. Yeah, exactly. Oh, so so part, yeah, exactly, exactly. Which obviously has happened before. So so. I'm I'm kind of glad that they haven't been called up really, but mm. but I mean in terms of whether they deserve to, I mean yeah they they both do, but from for you know obviously as as I as I've been saying, I can understand why Watkins wasn't called up over over Mings. Yeah, I th- yeah I think uh, Ivan Tony. If you were to go look at England's attacking shape, who they picked, right? So they picked Ivan Tony. Um, over the course of the season, deserves to be picked over Ollie Watkins, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. agreed. He scored 16 goals for Brentford, multiple assists as well. 16, I think, in 24 games or something. Yeah, it's remarkable, isn't it? Yeah. And he kind of is that sort of out-and-out number nine uh, with height that Harry, you know, you sort of, you can see why you'd want that as backup to Harry Kane. Um, And then you look out wide, you've got Rashford and Saka who play kind of wide. And come inside, though Rashford can play central as well. Watkins, to be fair to him, is more versatile than Tony and yeah. can play as a number nine. He's probably like what might be the most versatile of all of them. Like he can play out wide and down the center. Uh, and I 100% believe that Ollie Watkins would be a great attribute to England. Every time I've seen him play for them, I think he's done really well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, then you look at Foden and, you know, Jack Grealish, who got picked, and they just offer something different, don't they? So I think, yeah, I think I understand why it didn't happen. I think it's very unfortunate, but he m- must be very much on the periphery. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just something that Uno Emery could say to him, well, go- just keep scoring goals and keep proving to, you know, Gareth Southgate that why you um, should be picked, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I also, God, what we need to stop agreeing, George. <laughs> Honestly. We do. We do. Tyro Mings's improvement at Villa under Emery. Mings has always been massively underrated. Yeah. 
Right. And there have been moments where I've watched him before and he's had a you know a run of two or three games where he's not been great. And you're like, I think similarly to Watkins, there are times you've watched him in the past and thought they have flaws that stop them being absolutely elite. But it feels like under Emery, like those flaws that you saw have become much less prescient. And that... Tyron Mings on the ball has improved enormously mm. because I, you know, I always refer back to the worst, absolutely terrible game I went to earlier this season where Villa lost three one at Crystal Palace, and you know, under Steven Gerrard playing bizarre football where, oh god, um, I could, I could, I could do a whole podcast on that. Um, but basically, Conster and Mings were constantly passing the ball back to each other, but it was aimless. It was just aimless possession. Mm. Eventually, Palace has put us under pressure. Mings had no option, so he just belt the ball forward and we lose the ball again, right? I don't feel like I see Mings belt the ball forward at all anymore, maybe like once a game. Yeah, yeah. Only when it's like absolutely necessary. His on-the-ball ability has gotten much better. When he drives forward, he's a threat. He His defending has been excellent recently, mm-hmm. I think. I think he was really good against Bournemouth. Um, so... I think he's made a really good case for himself to be in the England team. Um, and Mark Gay here at Crystal Palace. Yeah, Palace don't concede loads, but the, I can't really say that there's much I've seen from him to make me think, well, this guy should be playing for England. And then Eric Dyer at Spurs. I mean, I just, I've never really got it, to be honest. Never, never, never got it. I mean, um, maybe, maybe again, it's this kind of um, utility that, that, yeah. that makes him more favourable to Southgate. But. Yeah, I don't see either. But people underestimate Mings constantly because they always remember like the odd big mistake he's made. But like you look at when he played for England at the Euros, the first three games, he was so good. And you know, yeah. Rio Ferdinand before the tournament, like you got to get at Mings, blah 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 blah. And then fairness to Ferdinand, he apologised for that because it was just idiotic what he said. He said um, and Mings was excellent. So yeah, I think Mings again makes a good case to be. To have been picked and Harry Maguire, okay, fairness, he did well at the World Cup. And though he's not playing for United, Southgate just clearly likes this guy, um, thinks he brings something to the squad that um, maybe is just irreplaceable off the pitch, on the pitch, I don't know. But um, yeah. But, um, but even, but even uh, you know, I think I think it just highlights the, maybe you can say, you know, the lack of, the lack of quality in that area of the pitch for England. Um, the fact that yeah. he feels like even though you know, as he said, as he will say constantly, he hasn't let him down an England shirt. He doesn't play for his club, so yeah, that should be that should be really the basis of him not being called up for international duty. So you know, think if you're Tyron Mings, or think if you're any other English centre half that's playing regularly in the Premier League and playing well, or think you're playing well, yeah. and you look at the England squad announcement, you think this guy doesn't even play for his club, and yet yeah. he's getting called up. Like that must cause a great deal of resentment and frustration, surely. Yeah, I'd say it's probably quite irritating, for sure. Um, and it puts Southgate slightly on thin ice, because yeah. if England have a couple of bad results, then you never know. You know, it, it could, very quickly it could turn. Um, but, you know, he's, a, he's earned the right to, you know, after a few decent tournaments with England. <laughs> Some people might debate that, but, you know, Compared to the way England have been in the past, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's been a good era for them, and uh, yeah, so I, I think Watkins and Mings are right on the periphery. If there's an injury, they'll be they'll be in, and uh, but and Unai and Professor Unai just has to keep saying to them, "Look, lads, keep going," uh, and eventually it just becomes undeniable. 
Okay. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I've been your host, George Zielinski. Frankie, I will catch you later. Catch you in a bit, George. Up the mighty villa. Up the mighty villa. It is goodbye from me, too. All villa, no villa. will be back again after the international break. But until then, come on, Super Aston Villa. <laughs>